friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So when I first became a Christian, I remember hearing someone say that God answers prayers in one of three ways. He either says yes, no, or not right now. Now, I think this insight was supposed to be helpful, but instead it left me more confused than ever. Because especially when I'm coming up on a gigantic decision or praying for something that I want with my whole entire heart, I don't want to know what God might say. I want to know what He is saying. And then as I try to figure it out, I end up acting like an amateur detective as I piece together clues. I find myself saying things like, okay, so I didn't get the job. Does that mean that God is saying no or not right now? Or yes, but I just need to keep trying. Or I haven't gotten pregnant yet. So does that mean that God is saying not right now? Or yes, but we just need to keep trying for a while? Or is God trying to tell me that I'm not meant to be a mom? Does God say that to people? Is that a thing? Or, I really, really, really want this relationship to work out. But is this the person that God has for me? How do I know? And in all of these gigantic life moments, how do we know if faith looks like making the best decision we can with the information we have and then moving forward? Or if it looks like stopping and waiting for a clear answer from God before we take another step? Anyone know what I'm talking about here? Well, that's why I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, I'm talking with my friend Elizabeth Lang Thompson, and she's going to help us get out of our heads and finally find some clarity here. In this episode, we're talking about whether we need a clear yes or no from God about every decision in our lives, how to know if God is saying no or not right now, how long we should keep trying before we give up on something, how to deal with the disappointment when God does say no, how to stay close to God even when He doesn't give us the answers we want, if it's okay to ask God to change His mind about something, and so much more. But before we dive in, there's a resource I wanted to make sure to share with you. It's my newest prayer journal, and it's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. I actually wrote this book during a season where I lacked a lot of clarity from God. It's for women who are in the thick of it, written by a woman who was, and is still in so many ways, totally in the thick of it. I love this journal because it's a powerful, practical way for us to connect with God in times when our future feels really uncertain. Through guided prayer prompts, the Between Places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It'll help you live today with more contentment, step into the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To order a copy of your own, just head to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com, and that link will be in our show notes, too. Okay, now without any further ado, let's hop into my conversation with Elizabeth. Friends, I am so excited for who we get to talk to today. I am welcoming back my friend Elizabeth Thompson. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming back on Girls' Night. Oh, I'm so excited to be back. I've been looking forward to it. I loved the last episode that we did together. Guys, I'm going to link to it because seriously, you need to go listen to it. I'm still thinking about some of the things we talked about. And it's just when I knew that you were coming out with a new book, I just absolutely knew that we had to have you back. So anyway, I'm talking about you like everyone already knows you. And I know that there might be a couple women who haven't gotten to meet you yet. Can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? 
Sure. Well, um, yeah, Elizabeth Lang Thompson. I am a writer after a very long and winding journey to <laughs> get to do that career, but that is, is that's what I do. Um, I write novels for girls and I write Christian inspiration for women. I really like meeting people in sort of the messy places of faith that are hard to talk about, the places that bring up doubts that we're scared to admit and difficulties in our prayer life and maybe even our in relationships with other Christians. I love kind of speaking into that. Um, I've written in the past about when God says, wait, about all the feels, just, you know, our feelings with God. That's what we talked about last mm -hmm. time. Like where do faith and big messy feelings intersect and collide? Yes. <laughs> so good. Um, so it's a real privilege to get to do that. Um, I am a mom of four after a very long, um, long and winding journey through infertility. So um, even though our life is so loud and I am like up to my eyeballs in laundry at all times, I'm so grateful. Like I'm so grateful for the stinky socks and the mess all over the house <laughs> because I prayed so long for it. And, um, and I'm so grateful to get to be married to my husband. I There's like a theme of waiting in my life. He, I fell in love with him several years before he, you know, decided that I was the woman of his dreams. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love now getting to share life and do life with him. We lead a small church in coastal North Carolina. That's super fun and um, has many adventurous moments along the way. So, okay, a fun fact about me is <laughs> I have a lot of, I call them stupid human tricks that I can do. Okay. Like as a child, I think I just collected weird skills. Like I know how to juggle. <laughs> I'm really good with a yo-yo, which is just like, what? Like my son got into yo-yos a year ago and I started doing it. And he's like, mom, you're kind of awesome. I was like, I know I learned in fifth grade. I don't know. That is amazing. Uh, Wait, okay, so did yeah. I, like, so yo-yoing? So yo-yo, um, oh, what was the other? Oh, like weird things like twirling pens around your fingers, uh -huh. that weird, like, uh, drop of water noise you can make with your mouth. Um, I can, like, double wrinkle my tongue. I don't know what it's called. But anyway, all these are weird things that I learned as a preteen, and I never knew the purpose of them until last year I taught fifth grade. And suddenly I was a celebrity and I realized, man, all those skills I gained when I was 10 are now impressing 10 year olds. <laughs> so who knows? I can't believe purposes. those things are still the thing. Like <laughs> that's my, I can't do the drop of water, but my husband can. I just like flicked my face as I did that because <laughs> I think it's something like that. The yo-yo, I remember um, people being good at yo-yos. I was never good. Uh, hacky sack was another thing. Yes. And uh, my sister can juggle. Uh, what was I? I was thinking of one more. The flipping the pen thing I still do. Yep. All um, the time. It's like a nervous habit. Yeah, totally. I totally still flip the pen. Oh, the one thing that you didn't mention, this is like more of a not, to, I'm not trying to like say this is a guy thing or this is a girl thing, but the like armpit noise. <laughs> I feel like that was like a little before all of these things. But again, something I didn't totally learn to do, but I feel like that would probably you know, that would fit well somebody. into that category. It yeah. would. I yeah. will say the one thing, the one stupid human trick I never mastered was whistling like with your fingers in your mouth. I tried big loud so wolf whistle. Hard. Me too. I, yeah. No, never got that. Yeah. Um, I can sing Backstreet Boys and Pig Latin. 
Wow. Oh my goodness. That's so impressive. Yeah, pretty good. Like uh, I want it that way. I can do it from the beginning to the end in uh, in Pig Latin. Uh, my mother-in-law, I just found out, can sing the ABCs backwards like a champion. She learned in like fifth grade or something and just yep. can do it great. Uh, what's the other one? My sister and I did teach ourselves how to burp on command. Oh, that's impressive. So I can, yeah, I Especially can Especially around the boys. They yeah. just are like, you are officially a cool girl. If yeah. You can do that. Yeah. I can burp on command, which is just not <laughs> something I totally thought I would share on the show, but I feel like it is really important. I mean, you could that. demonstrate or you could just, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> maybe, 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 if, maybe at some point I'll, I'll, uh, I oh could demonstrate, I could maybe demonstrate the, the pig Latin, but, uh, yeah, that, that would be a better demonstration that's for sure. So amazing. This is just such a great way to start a conversation. <laughs> uh, you guys, if you, if we missed any like stupid human tricks, you need to tell us because I'm sure that there are some that, that we forgot about. And yeah, I would really like, mm-hmm. should, yeah, we need you to remind us. Yeah. And then we have to learn them if we don't know them, because clearly, because <laughs> clearly at some point, <laughs> this they're matters be important. to us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> clearly at some point, this is going to be important. Oh, that's so amazing. I could laugh about that for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are ta- talking about something a bit more serious today, which is why bit. this is a, a great way to kick it off. But your newest book is called When God Says No. And I know that uh, something I think people don't necessarily think about when they think of authors are that before an author is able to write about something, they have to seriously live through it. I think maybe the good ones anyway, and usually more than once. And so can you tell us about the book and then um, just a little bit of your backstory? Yeah, absolutely. So, yep, when God says no, it's not really the topic that you're like, man, that would be so fun to write about. What an inspirational way to spend the next year of my life. (laughs) So if I'm being honest, I kind of was like, oh, Lord, do I do I have to write this one? You know, do you have a better idea? And I just I find it quite ironic that he was like, no, I really want you to write this. Um, But it's about (laughs) yeah, God said, no, you you need to write this. But it's about facing disappointment and denial without without losing heart, without losing hope. And without losing your head, and by that I mean just losing it emotionally, you know, because goodness, we face a lot of disappointments in our in our lives and in our faith. God does sometimes deny things that we don't understand why. Goodness, if if you think about the last year, it has felt like a long series of no, you know, are we going to get off lockdown? Nope, not yet. Are we going to get a vaccine right now? Nope, not yet. Are we going back to school? Nope, you're finishing. I mean, thing after thing after thing. And and some of the things that we have faced have been very serious. And so I do think it's been a year of no for a lot of us. Um, I feel like there have been many times in my life that God has told me no. And some of them have been smaller no's. Um, and I know that's something we'll probably talk about as we dive in, but just smaller things that sort of more affect your daily happiness. They're not going to change your whole life trajectory, but the smaller things. Um, and then some have been been life-altering. I mean, we, we endured a miscarriage um, several years back, and, and I just remember feeling like I, I'm never going to be the same again. And like, I felt like it kind of uh, took a little bit of my idealism from me. You know, it just changes something inside where you, I found myself approaching life with a lot more fear 
and being afraid of joy, you know, like, is it too soon? Am I going to lose this joy? What, you know? And, um, so miscarriage was a big no. Um, honestly in my career, there have been many, many no's and, and I'll share more about that as we go along, but that's been one of those things that (laughs) there have been so many little no's all along the way that it can be, it can really mess with your mind after a while. Like, well, is God saying no for now or no forever? That's been a big thing. Um, and then in the last few years, we've dealt with um, a very serious um, health problem with one of my loved ones. And we just begged God, please let this not be what we think it is. Please, please, please let it, anything but that, you know, let, and the answer was no. And um, it's, it's a, uh, this person has dementia. They will never be the same. They are not the same and it's going to get worse and worse. And it's so with that, that's been something that I was actively walking through while writing this book, grappling with it and still am and will be for years to come. But it's one of those where it's like, it's a day, a thousand daily losses. Like something new is a, there's a new no mm-hmm. every time, you know? Yeah. So those are a few of them. And I also had the privilege in this book of sharing some of my friends' stories because um, there's so many different kinds of no, you know, and I'm so honored that they let me borrow some of their stories to kind of broaden, hey, here's what no can look like, might look like in your life. The sentence that just keeps going over and over in my head is, thank God for this book. Thank Mm -hmm. God you wrote this. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for writing this. And God, thank you so much for saying no, she can't write about something else. I, it's so, um, I'm like already thinking about different times in my God, in my life when God has said no, or times when he's said like, not yet. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, is this a no, or is this a not yet? Or is this a yes, but I like did it wrong. Or, you know, what, you know, what does this, this look like? I think, you know, one of the no's that I think a lot of us have experienced and a lot of the women listening, um, have to do with relationships. There are so many times when I found someone or saw someone or got to know someone or started dating someone. And I thought, God, this is the person for me. And there were times when he said, like, I mean, every single time, really, (laughs) uh, he said, no, no. And sometimes I got to kind of find out the reason. And sometimes for years, I didn't know why. Um, And it just felt, sometimes I think it feels like he's withholding something good from us. And that's really, that's just really hard. Yeah. Um, And some of those no's feel so deeply personal too. Like it doesn't just feel like God is saying no. It kind of feels with some of those, like he's like reaching into your heart and giving it a really hard squeeze and a twist. Like, and you kind of start, you get suspicious of God. Like, is he mean? Does he not like me? Why would he, why would he let this happen again? Like, it feels like he's setting me up for no. It can really do a number on your faith. Oh my gosh. Everyone is sitting here going, yeah. That's me. <laughs> I think we've all felt that way. Yeah. Well, so before we get into like what to do with the nose, I want to ask, there have been times in my life where I feel like I've kind of felt stuck as I've waited for God to tell me explicitly what to do. And there are times when I've needed God to tell me exactly what to do, but there are times when I wanted him to tell me exactly what to do. And instead, I really got to make the decision you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit and the wise people he's put in my life and the brain he's given me and the discernment he's given me, you know, he's let me choose. And so 
like, do we always need a ye- an explicit yes or no from God? Or are there times when like we, we get to choose and like, kind of how do we know the difference? Oh, I'm so happy that you asked that question because I feel like this is a place where so many of us get stuck and I have totally gotten stuck there where you're just like, you're in the middle of kind of a wasteland period and you think maybe God is saying no. You don't know if it's no, you don't know if it's wait, you don't know if it's no for now, you don't know if it's maybe ask me again, I might change my mind and you can just start playing head games. And I think what trips us up is sometimes we see in scripture times when God did speak directly to people and, you know, say, go do this, or I chose this, I'm saying no to this, but yes to this. And so we sort of unconsciously assume that we're going to get the same absolute voice from heaven clarity. But we see many other times in scripture where, you know, it wasn't always clear they were doing the best they could with the information they had. Mm. And I think one of the biggest lessons God has taught me over the years that is that, you know, God trusts us. He gave us our brains. He gave us the Bible. He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us. He gave us wise, hopefully you have surrounded yourself with, you know, or can find some wise Christian counselor counselors. And I mean, friends who counsel mm-hmm. us, not like go, you know, go out and get a therapist, although that's great too. Yeah. Um, but God gives us all these different tools to help us to make the best decisions that we can. And, and I think we can be confident if we make a choice and say, you know, I'm going to stop knocking on that door. I'm ready to let that go for now. Or no, I'm going to keep knocking on that door. I'm not convinced it's never going to open. God's going to be with us whichever way we choose because he's a good father. And fathers give their daughters the chance to mature and the chance to take some risks and make some choices. And he's going to be with you, even if in hindsight, you look back and you're like, huh, I kind of wish I had chosen differently. It's not like God's like, oh, you blew that one. Man, I'm leaving you now. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to be with you even in the decisions you make that later you're like, huh, maybe I would have done something different if I had had more information or if, or if even if my faith was in a more mature place where it is now. But it comforts me a lot as I have learned, you know, God is with you and he does trust you to make decisions. He's with you even in the decisions that you, you kind of wonder, well, was it the best? I don't know. I, I did the best I could. He's with you regardless. It occurs to me that like God is less concerned with the destination than he is with the journey. Like there's not, it's like, so he's like, He's this really great dad. Okay, here's an example. My dad, when I was uh, learning to drive, I had to get however many driving hours before I could get my license, right? And so my family wasn't really a road trip family only because I, I grew up in Colorado and it's not like, you know, the East Coast or the South or something where you could drive a little ways and end up somewhere totally new. In Colorado, you can drive for like a long time before you get to any, like, other than the mountains, like, you know, I mean, you drive 12 hours before you're in Las Vegas and like 16 before you're in LA or 20 before you're in LA. Wow. Um, And so it's like, we just weren't road trip people. But so when I was trying to get some of my driving hours, my dad and I decided that we were going to uh, drive. And I think that our goal was to get to somewhere like four hours away. And I think we probably made it about two. 
And the thing about it was that my dad wasn't, I know he wasn't worried about the destination. I know he was so much more concerned with like what was happening on the way, both me getting practice driving, just no matter where we went, we could have gone around the parking lot. It didn't matter. And also just spending time with me. Um, and I, I think that that's so much more of who God is. Like he cares so much more about the condition of our hearts and our relationship with him and our relationship with each other than he does about like, you know, well, I had this one job for you and you, you know, blew it because you chose this one instead. Uh, I just don't think that there's like, we can't take enough wrong turns to get to a place where God can't like find us again or use us again. I love that. I love that story with your dad. And I, I, I think that's such a great way of describing God that he, he cares about the journey. He cares about how we get there. Not even so much about what the final destination is, you know? And I think sometimes we have this, I don't know. I, I think, there are times when we're sort of like, well, if I, if I do make a decision and, you know, is like, let's say you are, you're, you're in a relationship and you're kind of wondering, I don't feel like it's going well. Do I let this relationship go or do I, you know, or do I keep fighting for it? And let's say you decide to let it go. You surrender it in prayer. You're like, all right, God, I'm, I'm moving on. I think sometimes we have this superstitious, we're superstitious mindset where we're like, what if God's up in heaven? And it was like a test to see if I could just hang on long enough. And, and he's going to be like, Oh, if you had waited one more day, I was going to work it out for you, but you didn't have enough faith. So man, you know, now you made your bed, you got to lie in it. Like, that's just not the heart of God. He, he's like, I'm with you. I will love you through whatever winding journey you need to take. Um, I'm so glad you said that. And the word superstitious is so perfect. I've never connected that, but like, it really is. It's like, okay, I need to knock twice, turn around three times, read this verse in my Bible three times, and then pray this exact prayer and then hope for this long and then let it go because whatever God wants, he can have. And like, I mean, and then he'll give me exactly what I want. It's like, he just is not, uh, it's just... It's not just not how he rolls. You know, he's, he's, um, he's loving he, and he's kind and he truly wants what's best. And I think he cares about what we want. You know, he wants, he, he cares about the desires of our heart. He doesn't always give it in the way we want it at the time we want it, but he does care about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. So for the, for the areas of life where it's more of a yes or no question, not as much like open-ended answer, how do we know if God is saying no or not right now? Because, you know, exactly like you said, we wonder if we are supposed to continue being patient and keep trying and waiting and knocking, or if like, this is, this is a no, you need to give up and walk away. I think I've done this wrong in both directions. Like I, there, I really have spent years waiting for things to pan out like a relationship. I waited for years longer than I should have. Um, But then also I think there have been times when I've given up at the first sight or like the first sight of a setback, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I thought that this, I don't know, Instagram yeah. post would go better and it didn't. And so I should quit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Honestly, I think it's hard to know um, the difference between like, is it no for now or is it no forever? And unfortunately, I, I wish there was an easy way to know. I think, I think we don't always know. Um, I mean, I think about my writing journey. Um, so I started out <laughs> wanting 
to write novels for teen girls. And just like, it was just this burning desire in my heart. Like I want to write really like wholesome, just fun, secular novels for teen girls. And started banging, you know, writing my brains out and banging on doors of publishing and just getting no after no after no. And and then after a while, I kind of shifted and I was like, you know what? I think all of this, this waiting, this delay has taught me some lessons and maybe, maybe I should write Christian stuff. Maybe that's what God wants me to do. And I still was getting some no's. And I remember this one day sitting, <laughs> sitting on my bedroom floor, prayer journal in hand, and I'm sort of surprised the pages didn't burst into flame because I was pretty upset. The things I was writing in the journal, I found uh -huh. it later and I was like, whoa. Fire. Um, yes. I mean, there was like snot actually flying out of my nose. I It was not a beautiful moment. And I started like down this pity party spiral where I started counting out for God every one of my rejections. And when I got to the number 70, I sort of realized I this pity party is getting out of hand <laughs> and oh, I need to stop counting. Gosh. And, you know, so that was 70 plus and yet a few, you know, not maybe a year later, God actually did open that door. And so I do think, and it was so hard there. I, I honestly didn't know in that moment, is he saying no for now? Is he no, saying no forever? I think sometimes it has to do with our own hearts and our own desires. And, I told God, you know, I can't let this go. Like I, you know, again, I don't want to be superstitious about it, but this is so deeply passionate in my heart. And I really hope you will open the door. But in the meantime, I'm not just going to focus my life there. I'm also going to serve you. I'm also going to knock on some other doors. I think maybe if you're not sure if it's a no for now or a no forever, you keep praying, you keep hoping, you keep saying, God, I still really want this. but I'm not going to only I'm not going to refuse to live my life until I until it becomes clear. I'm also going to pour my heart into some other areas and trust that you are working even when I can't see it. And either that door's going to slam shut and I'm going to have resolution and it's going to we'll let it go or you're going to you're going to open it or you're going to open a different door that's related but you know a surprise. Mm -hmm. I lo I love that. That's such a good that's so helpful. Like okay, I'm going to keep knocking well, I think we have to decide, is this important enough to me to say, yeah, how important is this to you? Like with, you know, I'm thinking of moments in my career, you know, as a, you know, I'm starting out as a blogger and I'm, you know, working on my first books and I'm like, you know, putting my, my course together and I'm feeling so vulnerable about the whole thing. And there were so many moments where I was like, oh, like this just feels like, you know, even when things would go well, it's just, I mean, I just was so looking for any moment or I was looking for just any bit of evidence that I should just scrap it and run away because I was feeling so vulnerable. And I think to slam the door sometimes feels better than it feels at least clearer or less vulnerable than leaving it open. And, but I think, you know, we do have to decide like, how important is this to you? Is it, is it so important that, that your safety, like, is your safety more important or is this what could be more important. And I don't mean safety, like physical safety, although yeah. I mean, sometimes, yeah. but like, would you rather have your heart closed off so that you couldn't be rejected? Or would you rather maybe be rejected, but actually really give this a shot? And we have to decide that. And we have to decide it over and over again, depending on the situation. But I, I like that about not refusing to live your life 
while you wait for it, because I think that that's where we get, we really just miss some good things along the way when we do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think too, one of the things that we see in scripture is God invites a really open dialogue about our feelings and our confusion in those times. We see a lot of like David in the Psalms where he's like, I, you know, I feel like you're blocking me, God. Why? How long? How long do I have to live this way? How long do I have to every day have sorrow in my heart? Clearly, he was living a, a no for now. We know eventually God brought him through all those trials, but we see so much that God invites that conversation. And that if even if we're not sure where it's going and how he's going to bring it to completion, that we can talk to him about it and work it out with him and share our hearts and ask for guidance, ask for clarity. But if we don't get clarity right away, we can ask for peace while we're while we're in that wilderness place. So is that not like asking and and sometimes like, you know, lighting the page on fire with, you know, fury and questions and doubts and stuff like, is that the opposite of faith? Like, or or is that what it looks like to walk forward in faith? I love that question. You know, I think what we see from people that we admire in scripture is we see them having like hope in one hand and surrender in the other, where they were passionately hoping for a certain outcome, but they also knew who was in charge and who was going to make the final call on some of those situations that were out of their control. I mean, I think to me, I always think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were being forced, you know, by the king to bow down to an idol and to forsake God and their commitment to God. And if they didn't, they were going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. And and they stood before the king and he was like, last chance. And they said, listen, the God we serve is able to save us from this. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not bow down. What a beautiful example of, hey, I really hope God's going to do this thing that I want him to do. I hope he's going to say yes to my prayer, but I am surrendered and I I will serve him and love him and follow him even if he does not. I think that's where faith and surrender meet. Okay, I love that. I love that. Hey friends, I want to take a quick pause from my conversation with Elizabeth to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for this week is Warby Parker. I love this company. Now, if you haven't heard of Warby Parker, they are an eyewear company that's dedicated to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores at a revolutionary price point. And truly, that's exactly what they do. They have both glasses and sunglasses. I have both. Eye exams and contacts. Their glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses, which is amazing. Sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. And all of their lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coating, which is perfect if you're like me and are constantly dropping your glasses. They have both glasses and sunglasses. I have both. Eye exams and contacts. Their glasses start at $95, which includes prescription lenses, which is amazing. Sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. And all of their lenses include this anti-glare and anti-scratch coating, which is perfect if you're like me and are constantly dropping your sunglasses. Speaking of my sunglasses, if you guys have ever seen me over on Instagram wearing those gold aviators, those are from Warby Parker and they are my favorites. As you can tell, I'm a big fan of this company, but it's not just because their glasses are affordable, high quality, and stylish. 
One of the biggest reasons I love them is because with every pair of glasses you buy, Warby Parker distributes a pair to someone in need. Did you guys know that almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses? That means that a huge percentage of the global population has a hard time learning and working because they can't see. But Warby Parker believes that everyone has the right to see and they're making that happen one pair at a time. So here's the other reason I love them. Because buying a pair of Warby's is super easy and also really fun. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have the hardest time making a decision on the spot about something. If I'm gonna buy a pair of jeans, for example, I feel like I have to buy five, take them home, try them on for an hour, walk around with them, see how they look with everything else I own, and really give them a try before I'm ready to commit. And then I have to go return all of them, which I'm sure department stores love me. But with Warby, they're all about this. Warby Parker has a free home try-on program where you get to order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days, and you get to do it for free. Shipping is free, and they include a prepaid shipping label so you can send them back without a problem. There's also no obligation to buy any of them. If they don't work out, no problem. I've done a few home try-ons at this point, and I love doing them. It really allows me to try them out, see them in different lighting, try them with different outfits, and get second opinions from my girlfriends. And I have to say, I fell in love with one of the pairs I tried on recently. Actually, I fell in love with several of the pairs I tried on. And I just received a notification that my new pair is on its way. Guys, if you're looking for a new pair of glasses or a new pair of sunglasses, try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Again, you can order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free for five days, and there's no obligation to buy. They ship free and they include a prepaid return shipping label, so it's super easy. To try on five pairs of glasses at home for free, just head to warbyparker.com slash girlsnight. Again, that's warbyparker.com slash girlsnight. Thank you so much to Warby Parker for making my favorite glasses ever and for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Elizabeth. So I'm so glad you said that because I know that there are so many women in our community who are wrestling with things right now where they are hoping so much And there's part of them that knows that they need to surrender, like, even if he doesn't. But I think that there's this kind of catch in our heart where it's like, if God was really good, and if God really loved me, why would he let me want something so bad that he wasn't planning on giving me? And I think that, you know, a couple specific, I think the, the place where I've seen this be the most painful is in marriage and babies. Like, why would, it's, it's, I think those are two of the places where it's the hardest to say, and even if he doesn't, like, why would God give me a heart to share my life with someone and never fulfill that desire? How could he still be good? Or why would God give me such a heart to be a mom, but, but never, like, never let me get pregnant? How could God still be good and love me and care about my desires and let that all happen? Yeah. I think that is one of the most difficult things we can face. And and you're right. I mean, the marriage and baby questions, because those those two, the answer to those two questions changes your whole identity. Like, am I a wife? Am I a mom? Is anybody ever going to call me mom? Am, am I ever going to change my last name? Like, am I ever going to be loved and give love the way that I want to? That ch- It changes everything. You know, it's like so many other dominoes either do or don't fall based on how God answers those questions. And, and, and it's tough. I mean, I, 
the biggest thing that I have found to do when I'm in one of those weights where I want something so badly, and as far as I can tell, God is not giving it. I don't know if he's ever going to give it. I don't have a you know crystal ball telling me the future. I just don't know. The thing I have learned to do in those moments is to look for God's fingerprints because they're all over your life. Even if he's not giving you that thing that you want, even if he is saying no for now, and maybe it's no for a long time, maybe it is no forever, um, but his fingerprints are all over your life. And I think what what happens to me in those moments is, is I get sort of this tunnel vision on my life where I sort of decide, well, if this one thing doesn't happen, and I'm not devaluing, I mean, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. But I get to this place where I'm like, man, if this one thing doesn't happen, then the rest of my life doesn't matter and it doesn't count. And God is is up there and he's saying, I'm still working and I'm still showing you my love. I'm not giving you this one thing for my own divine purposes and reasons that I may or may not reveal to you. You know, I may never tell you why, um, why I did it when I did it or didn't do it at all but I am trying to show you my love through your friendships. I'm trying to show you my care through just these little encouragements. If you can look for those little encouragements of God along the way, you will see how active he is in your life. To me, that's one of my like go-to survival methods when I'm in that place where I want something so badly. I don't know why God has put this on my life and this desire on my heart and not given it to me, but I have learned to look for his fingerprints and to trust that if we learn one thing from scripture, it is that God is the God of surprise endings and surprise twists and making a way where there was supposed to be a dead end. I have so many friends who have thought the answer was no forever. And God had a surprise up his sleeve. They never saw it coming. I get, I'm not going to tell the story here. In the book, I get to tell the story of my friend Meg, who walked through secondary infertility, a terrible miscarriage at four months, and then an adoption journey that did not go at all the way she planned. And yet you see God's hand in it. Like when you finally, years later, see what God did, it is like I wept writing her story and it's a, it's a surprise ending. It's a twist. You don't see it coming. That is the God that we serve. That is the father who loves us. So your story isn't over. Even if you're in one of those moments where you don't see how it's going to play out, your story isn't over. I feel like we just need to sit here for a second. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that so much. Ugh. Yeah, I feel like everyone's just going to need, like, every once in a while, I feel like I just need to, like, lay down and let something sink in. And this is one of those moments. (laughs) So I know that sometimes our, the no's are huge, like we just talked about. But sometimes I know that we face, like, smaller no's, smaller disappointments. Yeah. And I know that you talk about how it's really important to grieve those as well as the big nose, which we're going to talk about in a second. But why is it important for us to deal with those smaller nose? You know, I think what can happen as in any relationship, when there are a lot of little disappointments and hurts that pile up over time, 
we're tempted with bitterness and we're tempted to pull back and not trust anymore. Like when we let stuff go unresolved. And, and I think we need to be honest that when God tells us, no, we sometimes get hurt feelings and we don't understand it. And we, it feels personal. It feels like a criticism. It feels like a blessing withheld. Sometimes we have all those doubts of like, well, is this a punishment? Like, did God say no? Because like I had an abortion in the past, so now I don't get to get pregnant now. Like, I mean, all those, we we can really go there. And of course, not being able to get pregnant is a big, big no. I would not call that a small no, but but those little doubts and seeds of mistrust, if we don't uproot them and like walk through them in prayer, or talk through them, resolve them, they do cause us to pull away from God. Like at the time when we need him the most and he's holding out his arms and he's like, I'm here, step into my arms. Let me be your safe place. Let me cry with you. We pull back and we feel like he's not a safe place anymore. So I think it protects our walk with God when we allow ourselves to say, God, I need to talk to you about this. I need to talk it through. I need to find a way to get okay with this with you and me. That's so good. And I also feel like that's great, like relationship advice in general, in all of our relationships, to talk about something early and to talk about it often. And because, yeah, things can really, they just add up. Yeah, they do. So what does it look like when we're grieving a no, kind of no matter how, how big it is, how do, what does that process look like? How do, we, how do we grieve a no? I think we... We don't pretend to be okay when we're not okay. <laughs> you know? um, I think we're honest. One of the big things that I wrote about in the book is just being willing to be vulnerable and say, you know, just be honest. I think so many times, like God's nose are invisible and nobody knows it but you. Like nobody knows how hurt you are except you and God. And so, People don't know how to minister to you. They don't know that you're really hurting or that you're still hurting over this thing from months ago. If you're not willing to say, I need to talk, I, I got to air this out. I'm not okay. Here's what I'm feeling. So I think vulnerability and honesty are a big part of it. I think giving yourself permission and time to work through it. I think sometimes I know I have often pressured myself. I've kind of viewed um, heartache as a test from God. Like, you know, how I respond to this, he's watching. And if I don't do it perfectly, and if I don't right away get to that place where I'm like, I'm surrendered, I'm okay, I'm letting it go, I'm totally happy without this thing, then it's like I failed the test. And so next time I'm going to get another no. Again, with that like Christian superstition, we don't know that we're doing it. It's not even conscious, mm -hmm. but we do. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be respectful or, or reverent while we express our grief and our confusion, our bewilderment. The Psalms have so many great prayers you can borrow that you can use those words if you don't have your own. And you can say, why, Lord? How long, Lord? Why do you stand far off? God can take those hard questions, you know, but then those Psalms may lead you to praise as well. So you can borrow those to, to communicate that grief to him. It's okay to not be okay, but, but that's part of the process of getting to a place 
of acceptance and peace on the other side of that no. And I think that's the hard thing too, is we don't always realize you might be facing a no, but there is another side of it. And God wants to get you to the other side of that no. And hopefully knowing God, usually there's peace and joy waiting for you there. Maybe different joy than what you had expected, maybe a different picture than you had, but there can still be peace and joy there if you'll walk through the valley it takes to get to the other side. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I, I've And I've said this very seriously about so many of the things in my life, this uh, idea that this no was really the best thing that could have happened to me. And in so many instances, it is, it, and it yeah. has been. And I will say, you know, you said something about it not being the end of the story. Like we're still in the middle of the story. So many times, like if you're not to the peace and joy yet, you're still like, it's still in the middle. Just like we have to keep, keep walking forward. Because if you were to ask me in the midst of so many different no's, like, oh, are you happy this is happening right now? Like I maybe would have like given you a smack. Like, no, I'm not happy this is happening right now. Um, But, but like when you're able to continue walking forward and you get a little bit of hindsight on it or you see or some perspective or, you, or you're able to see what God does next, you're able to see like, oh, this was actually a really good thing. Um, but do we all have to get there? Because there are sometimes <laughs> some things where it's like, like a, like a miscarriage. There's no one, like it's, I don't think that that, that phrase applies. So, so what do we do with that? Yeah. I mean, I I do think a lot of times we pressure ourselves to like what we, we picture in our minds, this, what we think surrender is, is like that attitude of, Hey, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm so glad I went through it. And, and Hey, maybe you will get there. Like you said, I think there are some things in our life where God says no, and we look back and we're just like, praise the Lord. He knew better than I did. And you get that beautiful hindsight. And when that happens, it's awesome. It's like, you know, what was that old Garth Brooks song? You know, sometimes I think God unanswered prayer, you know, know, and sometimes we do. Um, And that's great. But there are some, some losses that we will always wish God had given a different answer. I mean, if you lose someone if you if you lose a baby, if you, you know, y- you're not going to be like, oh, I'm I'm so grateful that happened. I, you will always wish it had gone another way, but we can find peace. I one of the things that I've tried to do is, at, you know, in in Second Corinthians one, Paul talks about we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God just using your pain when you're in a place where you can using your pain to comfort others. And, and maybe that's the most noble use for that. No, in your life is you can say, you know, I have walked through a miscarriage. I have walked through an abusive relationship that broke up and I'm not glad I had that relationship. It left scars on me, but I can redeem that pain by sharing what I learned with others. I can redeem that pain by being there for a friend when she is going through that same, that same struggle. And I know what to say and what not to say. <laughs> I know yeah. to, when to send chocolate and when to shut up, you know, like <laughs> I know all of that. Sometimes that's the best we can do is, you know, God gave you a story and you can go tell it and, and it's going to minister to others. 
Do you, I know that speaking of things you shouldn't say, a lot of times people say, when you know, especially when you're in the midst of one of those really, really, really hard things, people say, well, God does everything for a reason. And we think we're being helpful in, in that. We're, we think we're saying, hey, there's a God who has a plan. Like, you're not alone. Like, he's with you. But what we're really saying is like, God caused this person in your life to die so that you could then have a story. Yeah. And that God doesn't feel good at all. Is that like, is that true? Like, it does, mm. I mean, I just ask you maybe the biggest question that we ask ourselves as Christians mm-hmm. and humans, but like, does God do everything for a reason? Like, is he causing these things to happen mm. so that we can have a story? Oh my goodness. That's such a great question. And I mean, obviously there are like libraries worth of books wrestling with that, with, with that question. I, one of the things that I try to guard against in my own life and try to be careful about with other people is not trying to read God's mind and interpret his intentions with why he says no to other people or to me. Because I, I do think, like you said, we're, we it sounds so godly and faithful and our intentions are right. And sometimes we're just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to say something that sounds spiritual and gives you some faith and comfort. Mm-hmm. But when we say, well, God did this because, or God has this in mind, we just have to be careful because we don't know why. I mean, and, and I mean, it's just, we could go like layers and layers of depth there, but I would just say, be careful not to, to think that, you know, why God did what he did. I, I try to focus more like for me, when I'm hurting, I try to focus more on the fact that God is hurting with me. And I think it's Psalm 34, 18 or 37, 18, uh, God draws near to the brokenhearted, that he is drawing near to me. And that's the thing I need to know right now. I, I don't even, I want to know why, but I might not get to know why. I just need to know that he's near. And, um, th- you know, the only other little side note I would make with, with, you know, that difficult question of, hey, does God do everything on purpose? I think we need to be careful not to blame God for hurts that people put on us. You know, sometimes like we're in a bad relationship and that person it's, you know, it's toxic and they do things that are awful to us and we can want to blame God. Like, well, why did he allow that person in my life when the person was the one who hurt us? God wasn't the one saying those things to you. It was that person. Now God gives people free will and that free will is often abused. And and um, but God doesn't necessarily we can't necessarily point the finger at God and say, you know, you hurt me through that person. <laughs> yeah. Instead, let's turn to God and say, help me through this hurt that this person caused in my life. That's really that's really helpful. I think about, you know, there are some there are a lot of questions about God that I just I like my favorite phrase is that's just above my pay grade. <laughs> Because, because it is like, there's so many things where I'm like, I don't know, that's above my pay grade, but here's what I do know. And, you know, when it comes to really hard, really awful, really heartbreaking things, I, I don't believe that God is, is puppet mastering all of everything. I don't think he's doing, he, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't believe that. Yeah. I just don't. But what I do know is that nothing 
in the world is beyond God's ability to repair or redeem. Like nothing is ever too broken for God to do something beautiful through it or around it or on the other side of it. Like they're just, he really, I say this all the time, but he really, really is the God who brings life from death and hope from despair and beauty from ashes and joy from sorrow. And I mean, that's just, that is who he is. And so even when things are just so messed up or so broken or we've lost something so big, Mm. we still lost something major. And I love that you said like God's grieving with us. And he's able to do something beautiful. Like if if we stay tuned, we'll we'll get to see him do something beautiful. Just always, because that's who he is. Yeah. Amen. Oh my goodness, you put that so beautifully. Um, It reminds me what you're saying of the story of Ruth and Naomi, who like both these two women had gone through catastrophic loss. Like Naomi lost her husband and both sons. Ruth was widowed. Like, you don't feel like you can come back from that. Like, how could God possibly redeem that? And yet he had this other whole second act plan that nobody could have seen coming, you know? But those women walked through a long, long season of grief. And I just love what you said about he's he's the God. He can, he can bring beauty from anything. He can bring beauty from ashes. And you see that over and again, if you start looking for that in the scripture, it will build your hope and and build your faith so much in his goodness and his his ability to redeem things that we thought were beyond redemption. I love that so much. So this is something I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this. Like, are we allowed to ask God to change his mind? Because there (laughs) are times in scripture when people ask God to change his mind and he does. So like, how does that factor in? Yes. To all of this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is one of my like favorite topics um, because, okay, my parents used to really annoy me when I was a kid by saying, Elizabeth, if you give her an inch, she'll take a mile. And, you know, basically that I was like a negotiator as a kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was not good at taking no for an answer. And even if you said yes, I was going to try to turn it into a bigger yes. Like, can we go for ice cream? Yes. And could we also get steak before? Like, you know. Yes. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think there's probably a part of that, part of my character that's bad. Um, but I prefer to think of it as, you know, being dogged and resilient and persistent. And uh-huh. And that part of me is so encouraged by stories I find in scripture of people who ask God to change his mind and who like Abraham actually negotiates God down before God rains down, you know, destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah that we have this <laughs> crazy conversation where God, Abraham's like, well, would you change your mind if you find 50 righteous people, 40 30, 20. He talks God down all the way to 10. What a great thing that God was okay with that conversation. And Abraham's not the only one. We see Hezekiah, the prophet Isaiah has come to him and said, you know what? Get your affairs in order. God has sent you a message that you're going to die. Hezekiah weeps. He he basically is like, God, I've lived a righteous life. I'm not ready to go. Before Isaiah has even left the palace, he God gives him another message. He comes back and is like, you know what? Guess what? You get another 15 years added to your life. (laughs) What a cool story. And there are others like that in scripture where people 
prayed where it seemed like the die was cast and they said, God, please change your mind. And he did. And that just makes me always hope. It's a little frustrating because, you know, sometimes we want to just be done with it. <laughs> but if you're still hoping and you, it's still on your heart, it's not disrespectful or unsurrendered or rude to say, hey, God, can we please talk about this again? Can I make my case again? Will you consider it? And God's like, I will always hear you out. You are my beloved daughter. I still might say no, because I'm God and I know things you don't know, but I am here and I'm listening and I'm always happy to talk. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's also totally confusing because you're like, God, you're like outside of time. And I know, like, you know, like it's, yeah, it's totally confusing and kind of mind bending. But I think, again, it's above our pay grade to totally like just wrap our heads around that one. But it's beautiful. It's like, you know, I, I don't have a ton of, I mean, you know, I've been a mom for four months. So it's like, I'm very new at this, but I'm starting to be able to see little hints of things that I feel for the girls and being like, oh, God feels that way about me. And like, I think I, I'm totally, I was totally the same way as a kid where I was like, let's work with that no. <laughs> Tell me why no. And I'm going to figure out if we can find a way around that no. Because I think there might be a solution here. Carl was the same way. So I think we are in big trouble with our girls. We have like oh, two, no. yeah, we have like two lawyers, two tiny lawyers coming up. <laughs> but, but I think I would be honestly like tickled. If I said that they weren't allowed to do something or, if you know, if I said no to something and they got crafty and and reasoned and used their creativity and, yeah, their reason and their their wisdom and and just and asked in a different way or or tried to figure out a way to make it work. I, I think I would be like totally delighted by that, that that thing growing in them. And so, like, I really might change my mind. Like, that's a, or that's a good point. Like, I I. I see that. Or I, I like I like seeing you think this way. Okay, let's do it. All um, right. So it just, it kind of, yeah, it just kind of makes me, it makes my mind like hurt a little trying to figure out how that all works. But it also kind of makes me giggle and makes me go, what can I ask God about? Like, that's, <laughs> what, what can we talk about together? That's really cool. Yeah, to me, I think it's just such a cool invitation into an honest, respectful like just real relationship with God where he's like, let's just talk. You know, I mean, Jesus told us about the parable of the persistent widow for a reason. He's like, I mean, hey, I'm inviting you. Be persistent. We don't mind the conversation. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I love it. That's cool. That's cool. So, you know, I know that there are, are women sitting here who might be facing just a small no that hurts or a totally devastating no or might be sitting here feeling really confused, wondering if what they're hearing is no or not yet or keep trying or ask me again or whatever. Just as we finish out today, would you pray for them? Us, really? Would you pray for all of us? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Father, we are so privileged to be able to sit here today and just consider who you are and how you work and how you love us. We are we're staggered by your love and your grace. Um, it amazes us when we realize that you do draw near to us when we're heartbroken, that you, Almighty God, care about our little lives and the things that make us sad from the small things, the raise we didn't get, the house house lease that fell through, the um, the move we wanted to make that we're not getting to make, to, to the huge life altering altering, devastating things that you 
walk through those with us. And like Jesus outside the tomb with Mary and Martha, you stand and you weep with us and you hold us in your arms. And God, I pray for the women hearing this today who who are hurting and and they're confused and and they're doubting and they're wondering if you care and they're wondering where you are and why you've allowed this pain. And God, I pray they feel your presence. I pray they feel your heart, that they see your fingerprints, that they can start looking for them and seeing those those little um, winks and smiles from heaven that say, I am here and I see you and I know you and I love you and I'm trying to ease your pain. I can't take away this hurt, but I'm trying to ease the pain. Um, I pray that we can all find purpose for our pain, people to encourage one day ways that we can redeem our nose. And God, please just um, give every woman listening the hope that her story isn't over. Give her the courage she needs. If it's time to step into a new life, one she didn't want and hadn't planned on, give her the courage to take those baby steps into that new life, confident that you're going to carry her all along the way into a new life on the other side of no. Um, thank you for Stephanie um, and her ministry. Thank you for her babies. Bless them, guide their family, bless um, the ministry of her podcast as it reaches reaches out and tries to comfort and encourage and equip women everywhere. In your son's name we pray, amen. You guys, isn't Elizabeth amazing? I just love her and I love this conversation and I'm so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including Elizabeth's contact info. So you guys can follow her and so that y'all can be friends and so you can go get her new book. One other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We have gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. It means the world to me and it also helps out our show more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls Night and I'll see you then.